0: Hello and welcome to Open Mind UFO Radio. I am your host Alejandro Rojas, and I am joined by uh, the man, the myth, the legend, the the person we have met missed so much the last couple of weeks, Martin <laughs> No Show Willis. No show. I think I've been called that before. Really? I thought you were talking about Bigfoot at first, but yeah, no, that's me. no, it's you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have, has anybody compared to you to Bigfoot before? Kind of maybe Not- a baby Sasquatch? not yet no I guess it would depend you know this is Maine right I know so it's a very woody area yes but I like to tell people this is something new I'm doing Martin I'm telling people making sure they understand about the show So this show is Open Mind UFO Radio, where we cover credible UFO news and information. We take a journalistic standpoint, since I'm a journalist, I'm a writer, and we cover substantiated, credible information for you all to kind of make up your minds. We do, of course, give commentary and give our opinions, but uh, and we do when we speculate, we call it speculation. But um, I think that's what something unique that Martin and I do is that we're giving you credible, substantiated information instead of just kind of spit. And and making guesswork out of things. Um, we also do review the news at the beginning of the show. We'll be doing that momentarily. So if you want to just skip to the interview, you can't do that. That's at about the 25 26 minute mark. Um, but we'll talk about news and stuff in just a second. But uh, first, I want to talk about Patreon. Uh, I, what I'm doing on Patreon is I'm alerting people to what my next guest, who my next guest will be, and then you can go on there and ask questions. But only if you're a patron. And I asked people about that last week about how I'm going to be putting some more exclusive information on my Patreon that only patrons can see. However, it only costs a dollar a month to get on there and see that at the the very lowest. And um, you know, it'll keep me doing UFO stuff, which, of course, I would like to continue to do. Uh, it just takes a lot of time researching all of this info. And quickly, here, you guys responded greatly. I had a ton of you come and join Patreon. Here are some of them: Mitchell, Mitch, Jean Pierre, Larry, Rob, Matt, Jode, Alex, Rory, Jeff. Kevin, Ray, Tracy, Dennis, Nicole, Richard, Duncan, Steve, Christopher, Sean, Marcel, Craig, Ruben, my good buddy, Ruben, Yariarte, Steve, Dave, and uh, let's see, Clinton, and we have Darth Rikus, so this is a Sith Lord, I guess, is on here, Uh, Darth, so that's kind of scary, actually, and Yeah. so yeah, a ton of people are joining, thank you so much, and uh, hopefully we can keep that rolling, but uh, check out my Patreon. This week I have up a picture. I hung out with my buddy uh, Dave Childress not too long ago from Ancient Aliens, and he shared a picture from uh, the Ancient Aliens television show uh, that's upcoming from him in Peru in some caves. It's a really cool picture, so you can see that if you're a patron. I've also got a cool bit of audio bonus that I'm going to have this week, and I'll tell you about that. Uh, in just a second, as I tell you about my guest. Anyway, our guest for today is Bryce Zabel. Bryce has worked in the Hollywood industry for a long time. Some of you know him because I've had him on the show uh, quite a few times. He was a speaker at the last Congress, but he's worked on the show Dark Skies, which was a UFO conspiracy series, kind of about the mythology of MJ12 and stuff. He talked. About, he did the TV show The Crow, Mantis, Lois and Clark. Uh, the fifth corner on all of these. Typically, he was a producer and a writer. Uh, he's worked on the Mortal Kombat movies, on the Atlantis movie, all kinds of cool stuff. Currently, he's got a movie that's being filmed called uh, "The Last Battle" about the last battle in World War II, which is really interesting. So uh, that's going on. So he does cool stuff, and he used to be in charge of the Academy. In fact, when nine eleven happened, right. he was the guy who had to say, "Oh, we're not going to hold the Academy Awards uh, because you know we've got this tragedy." So really interesting character he's worked for CNN and so I love talking to him he's been online trying to start up discussions about disclosure and some other UFO topics recently so that's why I decided it'd be great to have him on to see what he found and see what he's thinking about this stuff and uh, especially right now this topic's really important so um that's our guest but before we get into that he's brilliant he is brilliant guy he's a great dude I
1: really like love talking to him right um isn't it amazing how he got started? I mean, basically, his wife told him, you know, you could do that probably better <laughs> as far as like writing
0: a screenplay oh, really? or something. Yeah,
1: it's amazing. I was not aware of that. And uh, yeah, he's just a brilliant guy. Great guy.
0: He had lunch with David O'Leary, the writer of, uh, you know, yes. Project Blue Book. And it, it appears that it was kind of what some funny thing. And we didn't even talk about this. We're both trying to take credit for hooking him up, up with David O'Leary. It was me. Yeah. It was me. I've me. got the, the emails to prove it. I have the emails to prove it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what if we emailed him at the same time? He got two emails. Hey, you got to have lunch with Dave. Well, he did. Um, Dave said to me, um,
1: you're not the first person that told me. I should." <laughs> See? <get connected." laughs> There's
0: evidence that it was me.
1: But he said, but it definitely wasn't Alejandro <laughs>
0: Rojas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's funny we had the same idea. Well, they're both Hollywood guys. They're both there in town. And I know Bryce always loves to meet people uh, in the industry. I've hooked him up with others and have lunch. That's kind of what they do in Hollywood. They have lunch, talk about ideas. So, uh, yeah, they really liked each other. In fact, I think we talk about that a little bit in this interview. Yeah, that's great. But before that, let's get into the news. Martin, you got a new story to start us off with? Well, I, you know, as you know, I was absent the last couple of weeks
1: during your show, but I know that you talked about the uh, Manitowoc uh, incident, and uh, which, uh, if any of the listeners watched that video, it's quite amazing, and it was a lot of effort put into it, um, you know, the video itself and then the interviews.
0: And where was this video? Um, and,
1: Update us on where and when. Okay, that was... Uh, that was back, uh, geez, I only have the downgrade, unfortunately, up in front of me. Um, but that was just a few few weeks ago that this happened. and uh, Essentially, a UFO
0: and, sighting and uh, it, somebody did a it, video yeah, with the witness and stuff.
1: Yeah, and the video itself is pretty amazing. I mean, the lights, first it starts out with a very bright light, and then you can see sort of a formation, and then, you know, light's going in and out and basically it was a you know uf uh, uh you know ufo to this guy who was a, a marine former marine it seemed you know many aircraft he understands what they are and all that but uh my hats off to uh john kelly and uh, news inside and out who first reported this and by the way it's not just them a lot of people picked up the story and it's on uh, also the video has gone quite well semi-viral on youtube uh, a great video if you watch it, and but anyway, it's been downgraded because um, John took the time to get some people involved in doing uh, research on this, and they've done an overlay of the lights with um, with the daylight scene, and it basically silhouetted one on top of the other. Basically, the camera was pointing down, mm-hmm. and these appear to be uh, street lights and cars. Ah, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I would you know, even though it was fantastic, uh, uh, filming, I'm, s- I so much like this better when, you know, when someone does the work and finds out it's something prosaic and nothing.
0: Yeah. And sometimes people do that and then they, they do, they try to downplay it or be like, Oh no, that can't be the answer. Um, it's nice when someone just owns it and they're like, Oh yep. I guess we figured this out.
1: Yeah. So it is, uh, that, that story's up on the same a place that broke that news inside and out, Uh, John Kelly over
0: on the West Coast. So there's another story here um, that I want to talk to you about. I think it's really important, and it's getting kind of forgotten and and not getting enough attention, I think. And uh, this is that on April 11th, the Senate Armed Services Committee had a hearing about the Space Force, And uh, Senator Richard Blumenthal had some scary statements. He said, the American people have no idea, really no idea about the immensity of the threat in space. And I've got a link to the C-SPAN video so you could watch the video. And I've also, uh, in the C-SPAN video, they have the transcript of what he's saying Um, But he's very, I mean, he's very adamant about this, that this is a big deal. And so it's kind of freaky. He essentially is saying that we're sitting here talking about the Space Force, but the most important things regarding this topic we can't even talk about because they're classified. And the American people don't have the facts. And he said if we did have the facts, we'd be pretty alarmed. He says, I think we have a real obligation to explain to the American people why space is a domain that matters. He also says, uh, we need to know why the threats there are real and urgent and why they are growing in importance. He says, uh, you know, before people start thinking it's aliens he's talking about, because many UFO people are posting this and thinking it's aliens, I don't think so. And the reason why is he does say that you know, uh, we know what our adversaries are up to in space. They know we know what they're up to. And we talk about this behind closed doors, but the American people don't know. So they have no context for this conversation we're having right now about the Space Force. So he's kind of like, we're wasting time, you know, just kind of blabbing about this crap that we can't even really talk about the the beef of the situation. Um, So that no wonder the American people are confused by the Space Force thing. But these uh, the immensity of the threatened space. What a, incredible statements.
1: Yes, and you know we did sign a a space treaty all the way back in uh, nineteen sixty seven. Right. Basically, and there was a, I think there's a hundred eight uh, countries um, on the treaty, but treaties are broken all the time. Yeah. I think that uh, you know it's always good to be safe and. You know, if our communication system was wiped out. I mean, we're very vulnerable when it comes to our satellite system. Right. In so many ways. You know, it could it could really destroy our country yeah. and cause chaos very rapidly if something happens. So I think uh, that's probably the classified stuff.
0: Yeah, and I mean, how this relates to UFOs also is that, of course, if, if we've got technology up there, especially satellites that can move um, or change direction, which some people are speculating is what he's referring to, uh, that the Chinese and Russians have such technology, that those would easily get mistaken for UFOs. In fact, that's essentially one of my sightings was what looked like a satellite that turned around and went the wrong the other direction. And, of course, satellites shouldn't be able really? to do that. But I could have been looking at something that was, uh, you know, an advanced secret project, uh, satellites that can do that. So I don't know. So that's how it relates. You know, it's just there's a lot of stuff in space we don't know. And some of it is ours. So in fact, maybe all of it is. We don't know. But uh, of course, there are some big mysteries up there. So I think this is an interesting statement. And to kind of coupled with this, there's a writer who works in this field that you and I have interviewed, Tyler Rogaway. And uh, he writes on defense projects and and the aerospace uh, classified projects and that sort of thing. He's got an interesting story out here about Vandenberg Air Force Base and essentially the space shuttle processing facility. So the Air Force was going to have its own secret space shuttle where it's going to do secret projects. And some of you may may be saying, well, they do. They have a mini one, which is true. They have this little mini uh, space shuttle they fly up that does these top secret projects. We don't know what it's doing up there. But what Tyler says is, even though that's the case, we know where they fly that thing out of. And if I were to call up uh, the Air Force, they would tell me, oh yeah, we fly that out of here and there, but what it does is secret and I can't tell you. But what's weird is there's only one facility where he's ever had the experience where he calls up and says, hey, what are they doing at this facility? And they say, we can't tell you. And that's what's a mystery here. So they uh, after this project to create an air force space shuttle that got canned they didn't even fly it they built it but didn't fly it but this base they then started flying delta-4 rockets out of it uh, after that just a few years ago it went secret somebody bought it and they're doing some work there and they've obviously upgraded it and there's a lot of activity but what they're doing we don't know so he speculates on some of the technology that uh, might be being developed there and flown out on the uh, ocean right outside of there. And it turns out, I didn't even know this, but he reviews this, that out in the ocean in that area in Southern California is the largest kind of testing range for the military. It's out over the ocean. It's this restricted airspace where they do lots of maneuvers and flying. He also mentions the Nimitz UFO experience or, you know, uh, encounter from 2004. And he notes that this is the area where that happened. Um, you know, the, the point is, wow. it's not too big of a surprise that it was in, you know, a military zone where they do military exercises, but, uh, and also back in 2004 is when they were doing the Delta rocket, so it's not like they were flying whatever they saw at Nimitz, uh, in the Nimitz encounter there, but uh, that's just kind of the relation. But another story of some, of a facility that's doing some advanced technology that we're not aware of, so there's a lot going on that way. Now, as far as, uh,
1: as far as protected airspace, um, it just seems like one hand would know what the other is doing and, and this wouldn't happen. In other words, they wouldn't be seeing, um, you know, something unusual flying that was, uh, you know, that was being tested. It seems like there would be some type of communication going on there um, as far as like the tic-tac and all that, yeah. you know, if that was something.
0: Uh, that's an exactly a, a great point that, you know, uh, they do notify each other when they're flying stuff like that, um, you know, because they don't want people to get hurt or, uh, you know, people have speculated that the 2004 Nimitz incident was just a test of a rocket. Um, and there were testings of rockets going on at the time, different types. But uh, of course, what was described and what was witnessed uh, by several witnesses is an object that hovered for a period of time. Yeah. then match the maneuvers of one of the F8, F-18s, uh, and then darted off at a very fast speed, um, all of which just not, you know, a missile wouldn't do that sort of thing. So that's why that has been uh, ruled out. But, uh, yeah, just interesting stuff. Another story is uh, news on the Bob Lazar front. So we've been seeing a lot about this raid. That happened while Jeremy Corbell was filming uh, this movie about Bob Lazar, the guy who was the witness in the, um, you know, kind of alleged witness blower, uh, whistleblower at Area 51 who says he was working back engineering alien aircraft. Of course, we only have his word um, that that has been happening. Well, while Jeremy was filming about Bob and interviewing him, the FBI came and raided Bob Lazar's house. And so far, they've been telling us that, you know, this was about the FBI looking for receipts, that there was someone who bought something from Bob Lazar that was potentially illegal. And so they wanted receipts from this purchase from many years ago. And that's what we've been told. But, of course, they could have just called to get these receipts. They didn't have to raid Mm -hmm. to get the receipts. So they, you know, it's overkill. Well, we just found out because this retired police officer, Tim McMillan, uh, went and was able to get a local police report that, no, that isn't the story, that actually this person who purchased this material, uh, he purchased, well, we don't know what he purchased, but Bob Lazar sells this stuff called thallium. I think that's how you say it. And he sells a legal version of it. But thallium can also be a poison in another form. And this person was killed with thallium poison years ago. They suspected that Bob Lazar sells this poison. And that's what the police report says. They suspect he sells it. So they raided, not just looking for the receipts. They were also looking for this poison, uh, apparently suspecting that Bob Lazar sold it. And according to the police report, they were convinced he did sell this stuff. Bob Lazar wasn't arrested during that raid, so apparently they didn't find anything. But um, that's why there was hazmat there and why this raid was a big deal. Not, uh, you know, it, it would seem out of proportion if they were just looking for receipts, but they were looking yeah. for more than that. Wow. It
1: just goes to show how things can be taken out of proportion yeah. and, and everything else. About the speculation, oh, it was Element 115 and... I know, oh, that's, that's why stuff. you've
0: got to ask. That's why why the journalistic process is so important, because you have to mm-hmm. s- seek seek the root of the information. Um, it may uh, sometimes things may, in appearance, seem very mysterious and leave you to want to jump to conclusions. If this raid is a perfect example. You think, "Wow, they're obviously harassing this guy," because that was they didn't need to have all these. People there and hazmat and everything, unless maybe they were looking for element one fifteen, this you know mysterious element that supposedly Bob Lazar saw. Well, uh, here you go. When you look at the roots, you fi- you find a prosaic answer. That's happened with A. Tip recently. People were wondering, oh, there's all this mystery about how you know A. Tip was called one thing and now it's called something else, and what's going on here? Well, I interviewed Lou, and it fi- turns out you know the 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 details are actually much more prosaic and um make sense. So you ne know, you don't know what you don't know. Until you interview and ask, you know, uh you gotta be careful not to jump to assumptions.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Which happens a little bit in this it does. community. A little yeah. bit. Uh, Another story, uh, Psychology Today wrote a story, UFOs, Close Encounters, and the Cry for Meaning. Uh, They reference uh, Carl Jung, who said, man cannot stand a meaningless life. Now, I haven't read this story, to be honest, uh, but Carl Jung, I have read his book. He has a book on UFOs. Now, here's what's important to understand is that Carl Jung did believe that, you know, UFOs and stories about aliens replaces the old tales about seeing, uh, ghosts or or saints fairies or or fairies or Jesus and that all makes sense that we're all looking for meaning we're looking towards the supernatural that's what religions are based off of is kind of our relation with the supernatural even by definition if you look up religion so but however even though Carl Jung said that's a lot of what this phenomena represents for us he was adamant that he felt there was a true mystery And he actually had written letters that he felt that the Air Force was even covering up information about UFOs. So Carl Jung was very much into that this was a genuine phenomena, but also a symbolic phenomena that was important to human beings. Yeah, there's so many facets to it when you really think about it. Yeah. Oh, exactly. I mean, there's so much to look at and what it represents for all of us. Um, Another article that came out in the Metro is actually about something that's been batting around the Internet is this patent by the U.S. Navy. It was submitted by a Navy scientist. Um, The patent is about essentially a triangular shaped anti-gravity device. Uh, Now, the patent, just because you submit a patent, doesn't mean you can actually build the device. It means that this is a theory for how something might work, and uh I want the rights to it, you know, if I'm able to build it. And so that's what a patent represents. So it doesn't mean that they've built something like this. But what's interesting is the file was put in, uh, the patent was filed in 2016, and that one of the authors of the uh articles that is referenced in, you know, essentially that they were able to build this this theory off of was Hal Putoffs. So Hal Putoff is one of the physicists who worked with Bigelow and the Pentagon program, UFO program. Uh, he's worked on remote viewing and stuff like that. So that's what makes this patent interesting is that Hal was involved, and um, you know, and to the stars right now is trying to develop, uh, you know. A, they say that one of the things they want to do is develop anti-gravity devices based off of technology they observed and helped put up as part of their group. So um, people are speculating that perhaps this is a technology they hope to develop. I've never really
1: understood that part of it uh, about um, observing something and trying to replicate from observation. It just seems, um, that seems like trying to replicate a magic trick that you see in front of your eyes,
0: you know, without knowing the magic behind it. It's I mean, true, you know, but the theory behind in it. your analogy, that does happen, where magicians see other magicians do something, and then they try to back-engineer the magic trick. Um, and I love that analogy, back-engineering the magic. Ooh, that's a good term. So, <laughs> I mean, it's possible. I What they say uh, is that, Things like the auroras, the color of the auroras, uh, other types of, of things that can be ter- determined can help give clues to the technology. Um, and they believe that they've gotten enough clues to to do something with it. I don't know. Oh,
1: yeah. mm-hmm. That is interesting.
0: Discovery Magazine, I'll just go through these quickly. Remember, you can see all of these links in the front page of openminds.tv. But there is an article where they're discussing the The Drake Equation, a little further on Discover Magazine, this is the equation that tries to determine how many uh, extraterrestrial civilizations are out there. And it essentially determines that there's a lot. Um, This is a really important one. UFO Joe, who I just had on recently on the show, Joe Mergia posted that article he was talking about uh, that uh, with Senator Harry Reid. And one of the quotes he highlights here is, people are afraid to step out for fear of people criticizing them for talking about extraterrestrial things. So essentially he's saying that there are a lot more people, important people, interested in this topic than we know that he's talked to, and they just don't want to talk about it publicly because they don't want to be ridiculed. Hmm. Well, hopefully that'll change yeah, a little. Hopefully. And then, uh, their, Newsweek had a article that most people felt was really boring and kind of lame. And yeah, it is not <laughs> the best article I, I would say, but it's about the top mm. UFO cases out there. Did you look at that one? Uh, I just
1: glanced at it, and it's funny when these things happen. You know, I always feel like arguing with them. <laughs> you know, yeah. What they? You know, it's just uh,
0: because you, you know who who who's to say really? Uh huh. You know. I hear you. I know. Yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, exactly. And uh, it's very arbitrary. And I guess what's tough is taking the top cases from Newsweek. They don't have a clue. Come on. I mean, uh, it's rare that they would look too into it to really find something out. Unfortunately, the mass media doesn't use its due diligence in researching very hard when it comes to UFOs. It would give this article more credibility if they would have referenced perhaps someone in the note. Like if they would have said, according yeah. to Nick Pope, you know, and Nick Pope obviously is very aware of many of the great cases. So that would have been a more interesting list.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, or Lou Elizondo. I, mean, I, that would have I been recognize these. I recognize the sightings. Is just, I, I don't know if I'd call them the top, you know, in the very top. Yeah. They, they do have some good ones, but, you know, some of them. You know, are, are there are controversial there yeah. too.
0: Yeah, I guess mm. I, the biggest complaint, which is agreed, is how can you even review or talk about what a great case it is in one paragraph, which is about all they give gave to each of these cases.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah, it is. Yeah.
0: Every one of these is one paragraph. Mm-hmm. But they are great cases. I, it's one thing I would argue in that, you know, if you're disappointed with the coverage that Newsweek gave for these cases, Google them. Um, and you'll find out, especially go to openminds.tv and do a search there for these cases, and you'll find out a lot of credible, great information.
1: Right. You can do your own exploration. Yes.
0: All right. We're out of time, buddy. I saw that. Wow. Well, thank you so much for joining us again this week. Remember, you guys can hear um, Martin at Podcast UFO. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, always. my friend. Uh, let's go ahead. And talk to our guest, Bryce Zabel. He'll be right on after this short musical interlude, unless you're listening on a radio station, and then you'll hear a short break. Otherwise, we'll be back with Bryce Zabel on Open Mind UFO Radio. I am terribly happy to have back on the show Bryce Zabel. So uh, I always love to have you on the show. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing great, Alejandro, and thanks for having me back on. It's very interesting. I Over the, my career, I guess I've gotten more comfortable talking about UFOs at night, but I always seem to talk to you about UFOs during the daylight, which is, is a little more positive. I
0: like that. I like that, too, because my whole thing is, you know, we got to be bold. we got to get out there. Yep. And that's why I try to be, I I mean, I think I even try to overdo it. I'm very careful about, you know, citing sources and being journalistic because we have to not be afraid of, you know, getting out there and talking about this. We don't need to do it in the middle of the night. We can do it during the day, especially if we're sharing credible information.
2: Well it's it's interesting. I would I hope that is the case. I mean I absolutely hope that is the case and I hope that none of us who are talking openly about it are painting big old targets on our backs for somebody. <laughs> oh um, we are. <laughs> I, I you know I hope that's not happening. I hope I hope whoever is in charge of managing this secret and this mm. information over the years has a you know has a positive <laughs> Evolving sense of how to go about it, and and it doesn't involve silencing guys like us. So far, so good.
0: Although guys like the, us, because we are in the media, there is that aspect, and and I think that it's important that it, you know we're cognizant of this. Is that media always gets used as as useful idiots essentially, given information to share that serves a purpose that we don't know, but uh, we still have an obligation to report it. And uh,
2: well. Mm-hmm. And and frankly, people like you are are far beyond useful idiots uh, at this point because you're taking information not from from a lot of different sources. You're applying uh, journalistic uh, ethics and 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 thoughts to it. You're applying um, scientific uh, discussion to it, and you're you're looking at information from multiple sources in different ways. So you're not being spoon fed anymore, and I think that's the the that's the good thing about where we are right now in 2019. Well, and that's what I try to do is that, you know, first of all, it's important to be
0: there. And and if we are being used, but at the second, on the second half, it's also, we can take the other information that's credible out there and match it up and see what we get uh, to hopefully identify any discrepancies. And, you know, that kind of brings us to today. We've got a tip and, you know, I've admitted I'm a, Kind of friendly with Lou Elizondo. I'm going to have him on the show here. People are like, you know, they're, they've got to be BSing and, and feeding disinformation. I think over the last couple of years, we've seen that everything that Lou's tell has kind of come to fruition, and we found it from other outlets. And, of course, George Knapp is sharing a lot of information. He's a great journalist. Uh, they're Fantastic. in Las Vegas. So I think that we are being smarter, and by now – Uh, I think we're seeing, especially with witnesses coming out, that this is some pretty good information we're getting.
2: Yeah, it's good information, and and it's becoming more complete. The puzzle picture is filling in a little bit. Uh, It's interesting. You've just uh, named somebody who, you know, they always play that game. Who would you like to have dinner with? (laughs) Yeah. and if it could be living or dead. If it was living, I think Lou Elizondo is somebody I want to have dinner with. I, I've, I've, he, I've met a lot of people in this UFO business, but I have not met him. And he seems to me like a very important man at this time in history. And I, I guess the other guy I'd like to meet right now would be Tom DeLong to figure out, mm. uh you know, where he's. Have you met Tom? Do you know Tom?
0: I've spoken to him on the phone. He actually came to the Congress and you might have been I- there. But I was so busy, I didn't even know he was at dinner. He was at the dinner the whole time, and I didn't get to meet him, and I really regret that. So I've been invited to come down to their store. They're just in Encinitas, so they're not far from you, and they have meetings there. I think,
2: uh, you know, I hesitate to say this, but I think we're talking road trip. I think you and me in a road trip. That sounds good to me. I always I'd love an anything. excuse to
0: be at at the beach, and I love Encinitas.
2: Oh, it's it's fantastic, and and you know, uh, you know. All kidding aside, these are two people that are uh, doing the, the the good work right now, as are you, and, and a number of other people right now. And uh, th- this is the time to uh, continue to network uh, to to get the people who who are uh, the the leadership of this to to start to mend themselves together so that we can we can present kind of a, a unified front in in the cause of disclosure mm-hmm. which is what we're talking about one of the topics we're
0: going to talk about is is disclosure and this does matter and segue into it because uh we'll be talking about what is the definition of disclosure and are we seeing disclosure here and speaking of tom DeLong, uh li- Before the show comes out later next month, I've already written the story. I've written the story. Why the heck is this rock star, you know, investigating UFOs with these former uh, intelligence officials on this History Channel show? And that's the gist of the article. But what the article explains is none of this would have happened without Tom DeLonge. So you can make fun of him all you want, playing his guitar in his underwear, you know, running around with girls and and whatever. Uh, the goofy stuff he used to do, but we would not be here if it wasn't for Tom delong
2: He is the definition of a of a catalyst. He is someone who you know through the force of his own will has has right. willed certain events into happening and and I have to say that's terrific and you mentioned George Knapp, who I happen to think is probably uh probably the best journalist reporting on this today uh mm-hmm. in in my view, and he's You know, I know Tom has been a controversial character, but uh, I sat down for lunch with George and he said, Tom's the real deal. So I believe George is the real deal. So I believe Tom is the real deal. Yeah. George is. uh, All right.
0: Well, George and Tom, I'm just very impressed with what they've gotten done. So that brings us to our topic of disclosure. So you... I uh, have been inspired lately to get on Twitter and to kind of start some conversations. And one of the conversations you started was, Hey, we really need to define disclosure. And, uh, it looks like you, you, <laughs> you ran into some, some issues there. So what inspired you to kind of get out there and decide, you know what? Right now we re- really need to redefine this. And, and what did you find? I, I-
2: well first of all I wrote a book about it with uh, Richard Dolan AD after disclosure and so I've been thinking about disclosure for a long time and and but because in the years since that book came out I've had a lot of conversations with people like you and many many others and I realized that uh disclosure means different things to different people there's small d disclosure there's capital d disclosure and and even in if even in a uh meeting of uh, people who are in the know, researchers, et cetera, people use the word differently. And I, uh, I I'm not saying that uh, you know, I have any insight into what should actually be the the title of it, but or or the definition of it. But I think it doesn't hurt us to start asking about it. Um disclosure to me, uh is particularly because the book that Richard Dolan and I wrote was called AD After Disclosure. We were trying to go for the calendar metaphor that the BC world is before confirmation and the AD world is the after disclosure, which would mean, tends to suggest that there's an event, there's a disclosure event that takes you from where we are now in that sort of before confirmation to the after disclosure moment. And that implies that something happens that literally changes the game. Now, what could that be? I mean, uh, I've seen our mutual friend, Steve Bassett say it's when, um, extraterrestrial presence is acknowledged by, uh, basically the political class. I think, you know, um, Mm -hmm. I don't have his, his definition in front of me, but I think we need to look at it a little broader because I don't think we know that it's extraterrestrial, uh, alone or maybe even at all. And I don't know that disclosure, which is kind of a process, is something that can necessarily be done by just, you know, one person making some proclamation. It's it's a group event. And then my thinking started to evolve a little bit further, which is The disclosure that we've been talking about uh, is really an official confirmation of UFO reality. Um, And by official, I guess it could be the pope, it could be the president, it could be the Chinese premier. Uh, Somebody gets the ball rolling. okay? But I think disclosure uh, needs a broader definition because we're now entering into the political world where our political representatives are going to have to know what we expect of them when disclosure begins. And so I would say it has to go a little bit beyond just confirming, yeah, some of those things that are out there aren't ours. I mean, that's disclosure, but is that, is, are we all going to be happy when they say that? I don't think so. So I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to look at a broader definition, which would be disclosure requires the official confirmation of UFO reality the transparent release of evidence, and independent investigations. To me, that's when disclosure's full-on happening. We've got to go beyond just standing up, you know. I mean, if, if if Donald Trump stood up tomorrow and said, yeah, I think UFOs are real. I mean, I don't think that would be the end-all or be-all. I think that would just be a starting gun, and maybe not even that, because half the people that heard him say it would say, I don't believe anything the man says anyway. You so, know—
0: I think you, you raise a lot of great points. Now, Antonio and I at Open Minds used to talk about this a lot because we would write about it. And, you know, back yeah. uh, when we were doing the magazine and everything and we had our whole crew there at Open Minds, uh, that's when Bassett and a lot of the other disclosure people were out. And they were debating themselves what the definition was. And uh, Antonio always stuck to, and I think he's right, that the, the disclosure, at least the way that we've been defining it, is a political process. When politics gets involved and starts to release this information, and we hear this a lot, speaking of Trump, you know, we always hear impeachment is a political process. That disclosure is the same. It's attached to, by definition, politics, and that's how we always went forward uh, thinking about it. But you know what? There's also what Bigelow talks about. I love this. I don't know if you've heard him talk about this. Um, he talks about confirmation. He says, I could give a damn about, and he loves that, I can give a damn. He kind of looks like Rex Butler, I guess, in a little bit he of a does. way. <laughs> but really uh, maybe that's why he likes that <laughs> term. But... Uh, <laughs> he's like i i think what's more important he says he thinks disclosures happen he thinks the government has you know essentially admitted there's a, a phenomena uh going on that we don't understand he uh he likes to use the word confirmation that he's looking for confirmation when the all yeah. of the public realize that this is a thing
2: well you know uh First of all, it's a good discussion to have because uh, it's good to get people talking about it. And confirmation is certainly a, a part of it. You can't really have disclosure if you don't confirm something. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I try to. Here's my long version of what I want from disclosure. It's like I may not be defining it, but I am trying to define what I want from it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my first take on it was disclosure requires global confirmation of non-conventional UAP UFO reality made public by multiple official sources in a way that allows citizens to investigate and engage the phenomenon openly and without ridicule. Okay. That's my long version. But what I mean by it is that somebody official can't just say, yeah, yeah, it's some of that's real and then dodge forever. They've got to say it in a way that this stigma that's been put on people who want to talk about this topic is removed. That it's not we're not going to be denied and ridiculed anymore that that whoever is disclosing anything, the the political system needs to move in in a way that allows uh, us as citizens to do our own investigations and to use our governments to aid and, and help in those investigations. Because, you know, we have a lot of missing time of, uh, you know, missing political time to make up for. Uh, once we toss this into the, the body politic, uh, you know, that's a starter's gun, but, but we're not going to finish that race for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And
0: this is the other hard part of all of this is, you know, I think first of all, everything's very compartmentalized. People have to realize that Uh, a lot of people have been talking, well, Lou Elizondo, if he worked on the UFO program, how can he not know about this? How can he not know about that? Well, if those other things are going on then um, he might not know about those things. Then the other question was, you know, at least in my mind, I'm thinking, well, maybe there isn't anything else going on. He's got the only game in town. But lately we've heard Harry Reid. We've heard him. We've heard uh, others say there are other programs and other departments that they're aware of. Uh, And even going so far, I think Reid even said that he thinks they might be coming out in the light here soon
2: also. I mean, Harry Reid is. If we gave a uh, disclosure person of the year award, I th- you know while well uh, Elizondo probably got it for 2018 or 2017. Um, I give it to Harry Reid <laughs> for 2019. So right. Far. I mean, I just think this is the man who, yeah, I watched on the news uh, as the as the head of the uh, the Senate for years, and I always thought well, he's a button down kind of guy. And, you know, beneath that uh, button down was beating a heart that knew that UFOs are real. And and how great it is that he's willing to step up front. He's And I like what he's, you know, what he is saying is disclosure of its own kind. He's saying there's facts out there that prove these things are real. Okay, that's, let's just call that level one disclosure. I mean, But it can't just be one guy. It can't just be Harry Reid confirming just that there's something to study. Uh, We need to get – if it's just going to be a confirmation that some of this is real, then we need it even higher than Harry Reid. It needs to go to the, the president and the congress and so forth. And then there's the level two of disclosure, which is give us some details. Because I cannot believe that a government and a world that has been studying this since the end of World War II, and that is pretty much confirmed, uh, I can't believe they don't have some conclusions by now. And I want to see those conclusions, and I want I want to be able to talk about the interpretation of those conclusions without being ridiculed for doing so. Mm-hmm. And and this is the transition that we're all trying to go for. And b- by the way, you just we just danced around it, but I'm just going to lay this out there right now. It is distinctly possible, and I hope you're all sitting down. It is distinctly possible that Donald Trump will be our disclosure president. Well, and I wanted to bring that up because I,
0: that perplexes me—the whole that this oh, administration. Man. But we'll get into that in just a minute. I do want to address one other thing because there could be sure. some people having hangups
2: there and saying no. Well, Harry- first of all, there's people having heart attacks all over your radio <laughs> yeah. audience at that thought. But go ahead, please.
0: Oh, I I know, and uh, <laughs> and but there are people like you know, I I think thinking well, the only reason Harry reads in this because he was trying to get money to his buddy. Uh, Robert Bigelow, but I want to put that in perspective. Um, Robert Bigelow, this is according to Bloomberg, by 2013, he had spent a quarter of a billion dollars on his inflatable space habitats and all out of his own pocket. A quarter of a billion dollars. He did not need the $22 million they got for this program to put in his pockets. And actually, the facts are... He That $22 million wasn't enough to complete no. the work that they wanted to do. So he spent money out of his
2: pocket beyond that $22 million. And if you think about uh, first of all, yes, stand up for Robert Bigelow because I, really this guy is a hero too. And and he should be acknowledged for being out front and being clear. Um and and let's also acknowledge that 22 million dollars 22 million dollars is a lot it changed my life a lot and it probably changed yours <laughs> and everyone who's listening but in terms of uh, money you throw at a problem such as UFOs are in terms of acknowledging what they are and understanding them well first of all it's pretty clear that our black budgets have thrown billions of dollars into their study over the years. And so this $22 million is, is, you know, that's chump change for investigating a phenomenon that's this large. And just think about it. There are some reports out there that if we could get those declassified that would curl your hair. And I'd like to get my hair curled at this point. Right, and I'm
0: excited to see the History Channel show because according to Lou, this History Channel show that's gonna be focusing on To the Stars, and it sounds like it's really centered around Lou because he would work for the government investigating UFOs yeah. and now how he's investigating UFOs in, in the private sector with, with uh, Tom DeLong and to the stars. Uh, supposedly there will be some more revelations about cases uh, that they had looked at in uh, the government program, a tip and that uh, some of these are better than the Nimitz case. And uh, I think you would agree. The Nimitz case is pretty extraordinary.
2: Oh, You know, those are, it's a great case. And, I I, I think the interesting thing is, because we started talking about trying to to define disclosure, it is a moving target. Because what literally is happening under our feet and will accelerate and become a thing after this unidentified program is more and more of us will say, yeah, there's pretty good evidence that something's going on. Well, that's progress because we've not had that before. Um, and. And that will be an incremental step. it may blow your mind uh, this Nimitz case, but it, you know I most of my friends have never heard of it, and right. maybe more of them will, and maybe more of them will be knowledgeable enough to start talking about it and then once we establish that beachhead that there 's literally government video and technology put to uh, you know uh, seeing some of these for what they are. At once you get more people accepting that, then the question is going to become, well, okay, uh, what's the official response to what they are? It's it, you, you, You've shown me they exist, but what are they? And, and at that yeah. point, I think you start to get a, a more radicalized electorate and population that say – it's not acceptable to me that our government found out what these things that these things exist. I would like to know the details. But what's
0: interesting is, I think there's two major schools of thought, or I, I should say three, that have been revealed in looking into the details of how these government programs worked. Um, there is the school of thought that we don't know that there's a phenomenon. And this would be Lou Elizondo. Right. Who is the closest we have to an official voice to to what's going on? Essentially, he's like the head of Blue Book. You know, he was head of a a UFO project. He says we don't know. We know that they are technology that are beyond our own, but we don't know. However. Some of the things the scientists are looking into in that work with ATIP and uh, outside of it are more prone and comfortable, interesting enough, in my experience talking with these scientists, to go the interdimensional route, to say that, you know, we're learning so much about inner dimensions, maybe uh, dimensions can interact with each other and somehow that's what we're seeing. Uh, I think that's really interesting that scientists
2: are, are largely kind of moving in that direction. Um, it's, it's very interesting uh, because because uh, that, that's sort of they're they're uh, adapting the John Keel and the Jacques Vallee uh, kind of take on this that there's it's probably more than nuts and bolts from uh, another planet, right? Exactly, which I love
0: that perspective because it's the scientific one. You know, that's where Vallee and we got to follow the data, and the data just hasn't given us anything definitive yet. The second right. one would be that there's nothing to it; that it's all silly. But there yeah, is a crazy. major third opinion that has had a tremendous effect. And that is that it's demonic, that there is a large contingency of Christians uh, inside of uh, Christian officials inside the government who have not wanted to even investigate any of this because it's a demonic and we can't mess with it. And we heard this years ago from Hal Putoff. Uh, When they were doing their remote viewing, they're essentially kind of ESP research and, you know, running a successful program for like decades doing this. But the religious faction said, no, this is demonic. We can't do it anymore. And sure enough, we hear from Lou, at least the first iteration of this organization also got squashed for that
2: same reason. Well, there's no question that that there are people that that take that point of view uh, in fact uh when i was working on uh, a show called mantis my uh, my uh, fellow executive producer knew more about ufos than me but he was sure that they were all uh angels and demons uh, and and yet he was very well versed on it and i think there's a lot of people like that uh, on the other hand i've done some polls on my own like uh, that, this, this Twitter site, and uh, angels and demons came in dead last out of four options, you know? So I, while it may be that there are embedded people in our government who are feeling that, and maybe that's why they've gone, they've slow-walked any disclosure, uh, I don't think... That the majority of the public in any way thinks that's the case. But in a way, it almost doesn't matter, does it, Alejandro? Because the truth of the matter is there's probably a phenomenon that we are interpreting differently, but the phenomenon is probably what it is. In other words, somebody may look at this phenomenon and say, oh, those are, that, those are fairies and folklore, and somebody else may say, no, it's angels and demons, and somebody else may say it's extraterrestrial, and somebody else may say it's interdimensional. They're probably looking at roughly the same thing, or at least a, a collection of things that are related. So right. this is why I want um, the people— uh, and, and, and Well, we've got way, to take a break. I Sorry. Uh, okay, so yeah.
0: hold that thought. We've got to take a break All right, well, right now. Uh, we'll pick up the rest of this and get into something else that you brought up just a minute ago after this break for those of you listening to the podcast you'll hear a short musical interlude for the rest of you you'll hear some commercials but we'll be right back with bryce zabel so stay tuned to open mind ufo radio Welcome back to Open Mind GFO Radio. This is your host, Alejandro Rojas, and we are here with Bryce Zabel. And we were just talking about kind of that third faction, the religious faction, and you were finishing up your point there.
2: Oh, um, I I think I was – I I I think what I'm saying is I don't think – that the even if that is an explanation for why there are people in our government who have resisted telling the truth, I don't think that's the reason why they haven't told it. I think mm. I, I think that's a relatively recent phenomenon, if it if it even exists. You know that that people in the government have resisted telling us because of this uh, this demon kind of thing. I, I just think it whatever this phenomenon is, it's obviously very distressing in some respects in that it's bigger than our ability to comprehend it and as time has gone on much has been studied so i i think that there's a lot of information that the the government and and others possibly out of government have and it just hasn't been shared for reasons that don't have anything to do with demonology Mm-hmm. although so I, you know but again we could be wrong uh, who knows yeah. i mean we don't know we're not I think there i that-
0: The the scary part is, you know, um, it could be hampering a stance. And uh, I think what happens with these groups is that they there's these big echo chambers, you know, essentially. And I think there's a lot of that going on. We have these segments of the population that we don't see because they're outside of our realm, but they exist there, uh, where people are going to these meetings, like uh, you know, going to these meetings and having these. So, for instance, Roswell has its own kind of religious based. Uh, event every year, uh, and there are a lot of yeah, people there. It's just those people don't interact with us because they're like, Well, you know, I already learned from my church about this. They're demons. Why do
2: I need to listen to Bryce? Well, that may be true. Uh, although I'm getting a little, uh, I'm not down with trying to dismiss ufology as some kind of modern religion. I know that mm. was popular in this latest book that came out. Um, uh, from Diana Pasolka, I, I I just don't buy it. I I I'm I don't want Roswell to be dismissed because people go there and have fun at a festival. It doesn't change the underlying reality of it. The mm-hmm. underlying reality is that event probably happened, and there probably were bodies and crafts, and and that happened. And uh, the fact that people make funny alien blow-up models in roswell 70 years later i don't think is a knock against the original thing um so, uh, you know, I don't know. There's enough. There's so much going on right mm-hmm. now. We live in a really interesting time. And uh, but, you know, just to follow the Roswell thing, there's this article out in Newsweek right now about the best cases. And they come up with their little plan to mm-hmm. to rate the best cases in UFOs. And I was, frankly, really intrigued. I mean, it's great to have some kind of mainstream media look at this. But what's the first thing they do? They dismiss, they start their List of cases with the worst possible one they call Roswell. All right, and why does why does Newsweek call Roswell the worst possible case? Because the government in 1997 said it was it never happened, and mm-hmm. because the government said that there were uh, dummies that were the reason why people thought they saw bodies, and and because of that, in less than one paragraph, they dismissed the whole thing as the worst case. So I got to tell you. W- We are getting more people talking about it, but we still got to bring the game up of some of the media uh, who just – they want to talk about it now, but they aren't assigning anybody to actually dig deep into this and try to understand it. They're just tilling the same old nonsense, and it's time for us to go up a level. That's my take.
0: I agree. And, and it's been one of the difficult parts with the media. And we've talked about this before is that, you know, uh, a lot of people in mainstream media do not feel they have to put their normal due diligence to work uh, when they're writing about UFOs than they would writing for anything else. And it is unfortunate because that's why I've been trying to really push. And, you know, I got to be involved with this CW show. Right. And uh, I wrote this article about. How, you know, at the very least, there is a cover-up. We know for a fact, you know, that the, those pictures, that debris is not what uh, what was found. And I, that is, you. if you're a journalist, you have to cover that aspe- aspect because there's your reason that there's a conspiracy because we have a cover-up. Yeah. And so what's going on here? And by glossing I mean, that over uh, or not even covering it shows they're not doing their, their homework at
2: all. It's It just cracks you up. I mean, here is a Newsweek reporter assigned by the magazine to write this article who says the extent of my uh, investigation of this topic is that I'm going to dismiss Roswell as the worst case ever because the government denies it happened. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Wow. That's hilarious. That's like lazy, lazy piece of journalism that is.
0: Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, yeah.
2: That, the government that. says it didn't happen. Oh, well, case closed. Everybody go home. Nothing to see here.
0: Yeah, exactly, which is hilarious. But, you know, it's it's probably good we had the, also that religious conversation. Getting into this next topic, you brought up, you know, maybe Trump will be the disclosure uh, yeah. president. I'd love to hear why your thoughts are on that. But w- this has been curious to me why this administration has com- been completely silent on the UFO topic, because Clinton, Hillary brought it up during the campaign uh, at the behest, kind of pressured by John Podesta being uh, kind of pushed along on that. And, you know, I thought for sure that uh, the Republicans would jump on that to make fun of the campaign, but they didn't really. The media did, but the the Republicans didn't. Right. And he has not touched the topic at all. And now I think maybe it's because he is kind of the evangelical president. I mean, certainly that's a big part of his base and maybe he doesn't want to go there because of the demonic reason. I don't know.
2: I don't I think he hasn't touched the topic because he doesn't really hasn't really thought about it and he probably uh, I'm not saying he's going to be the disclosure president because he chooses to be. I'm just saying he if he gets reelected in particular, then you've got a horizon of the next 6 years out there, okay? And I happen to think that the transition to where we feel like we are in a disclosure world, a post-disclosure world, and after disclosure world, I think that's going to happen in the next six years. And so as a consequence, if he gets reelected, then he'll be the guy standing when it happened. That is what will make him the disclosure president. There's a reason, though – there's a couple of reasons why he may have avoided it. One is if Hillary was talking about it, then he doesn't want to be Johnny-come-lately to a Hillary issue. And then the other thing is – I mean – and and I say this to you know I have friends that are Trump supporters and friends that aren't and so I say this uh, not in a way to be pejorative one way or the other other than to say we know that Trump is the center of his own universe that's just the way his brain is wired and I'm not sure that. Uh, a revelation that the world and the universe is a lot bigger and stranger and and grander than we ever imagined is something that his brain wants to get behind. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I think if he becomes the disclosure president, it, it will become one of the greatest ironies in history because he'll simply be the guy on the watch when it happens. But, but once he decides uh, to talk about it, whoa watch out the floodgates will be open and I wouldn't be surprised to be honest with you if um if it if it comes out in the 2020 campaign as an issue that he it comments on um, I think if anything right now uh, this 2020 presidential election has the potential of really uh, m- making progress toward disclosure because there there's Every single person who's listening right now could, if they wanted to, go to a town hall for a presidential candidate. There's plenty of them out there. And they could go to that town hall, and they could put their name in to ask a question, and they could ask in a respectful and – knowledgeable way what the candidate thinks about the issue of investigation of ufos and a tip and things like that and uh so i think we're entering a period where this might leak into it i was surprised it didn't leak in more strongly to 2016 but i think we're teed up for it to happen in 2020
0: Mm -hmm. now uh, here's a question for you the way it's happening now is that you know elizondo's come out he uh has colleagues and of course we have the whole bigelow faction and that's what i call the majority of the people into the stars and that's another thing people have to realize they're like oh these people are part of some insider disclosure well you've got to look at the history someone like hal Putoff has been working at looking into and legitimizing paranormal topics for decades since before i was born literally He's been working yeah. on this sort of thing. That's the you know this physicist who worked with Bigelow and he worked with Atip and he's worked with all kinds of different things uh, on this front. Same goes with uh, John Alexander, who I've had on the show. Uh, same goes for uh, many times, but same goes for Bigelow and, and all of these others. They've been in you know kind of fighting this fight uh, in at a higher level and in the scientific realm. So they have a lot of access, and now we have people like Steve Justice, who was a, a you know worked for. Lockheed Martin. And we have Chris Mellon, who is part of the Mellon Empire, you know, and and no doubt he was a a deputy intelligence secretary. I mean, um, so we have access to these people who can get information to the highest levels and are doing that. So we've got this momentum going. And we're getting, I think, better information via these routes than a politician who's just going to try to Spin it in a way that makes them look good, and they're going to cherry pick information. Um,
2: yeah, I, I. But the distinction is, the the people you're referring to, the uh, Justice and Mellon, and and everyone who's approaching this in this new investigative scientific way, they have to be there doing their work. But what pushes it over uh, the 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 finish line is literally a their work becoming the basis that allows our political system to change itself. And one of the ways we have to do that is by forcing our politicians to start talking about it, It, you know, and, and whatever people think about Hillary Clinton, at least she did talk about it. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was a radical new thing. And we're going to need more of that, uh, particularly just to cycle back to where we started. If indeed disclosure is when somebody official, uh, says this is really going on, then that is a political issue. And, and, and I can't expect people to start talking about it out of nowhere. They have to, we have to start that discussion. Now people have to start asking their senators, their congressmen, you know, it's a legitimate question. Uh, and, and it's easy to ask. You simply say, uh, uh, Senator Harry Reid has called for investigations into UFOs and there's this project called A-TIP and uh, there's increasing uh good cases that we that the government's showing us what do you what's your opinion on this um are you going to support congressional hearings mm-hmm. it's a pretty simple question i'd like to know what most I'd, i think every candidate ought to be on the record about that
0: yeah that makes sense i think one of the other uh, here's here's kind of my thinking on this has been, and this is why I love the scientific community for uh, UAP research. They changed their name, and 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 this is why. Um, you know, I, I've always felt that we need a study of ufology because uh, politicians will often rely on you know they need their credible uh yes backup. Uh, that they can rely on. So they need the Michio Kakus or the someone to come out that they can say, well, look, this is what Michio Kaku says. It's going to back up uh, whatever yes. they're saying. Uh, and SETI at, used to be seen as fringe and now they're not because they tackled the, the most skeptical by nature group of all the scientists. And uh, they were successful that way. I think that's going to be important that we at least create it. A community, even if it's small, a community of scientists who are willing to uh, publicly state their opinions. Because like, we like the, the SCU, like the SCU, and the majority of the the scientists, even with SCU, a lot of them still want to remain anonymous. They're still worried, and they don't want to publicly share their thoughts.
2: It's 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 true. Um, and we we need you, although two of the groups that you mentioned SETI and and then Michio Kaku i just listened to Michio Kaku's latest book and you know i just want to grab him and shake him and go stop this you know <laughs> stop talking about how the universe is probably teeming with life and about space travel and how we're going to do it and refusing to acknowledge that somebody else may have done it and beaten us to it and they're here and I want to say to Seth Shostak and all the guys at SETI, look, I'm glad that you're running SETI, but don't be so closed minded. You know, you've gotta open yourself up. Look at all the evidence, and there is evidence. I mean, look at this ATIP stuff. Look at the look at that those videos. There is evidence that something is going on that will blow uh, seti out of the water seti is looking for signals from way out there to because we want to prove that that there's other life in the universe when the evidence seems to exist currently that that life not only exists but it's come and made contact here mm-hmm. you know it's what's just, interesting it's fr- frustrating yeah
0: is there was that scientist uh silvano Columbano, who kind of made this argument that uh hey guys we, you know, we're the the primary primary people out there telling everyone that aliens are here are are out there somewhere. We need to take it more seriously when there's potential evidence near Earth or on Earth that uh, there could have been a visitation and you know at some point. And we have to look at those. Um, yes. You know, unfortunately, that story got a little spun, and and actually, I know personally, he got embarrassed by it, and he's not talking about it much because unfortunately, his his message got. Taken it uh, yeah. the wrong way, especially by the UK tabloids. But Shostak t- chimed in, and this is the first time he's ever been open to it. He agreed. He said, you know what? I think he's right that we
2: do need to take a okay, look at good. this evidence. Good for Seth. All right, then I'm happy about it. And by the way... Uh, what makes this even more complex is if it was just like, hey, are we being visited by UFOs from another planet or not? That's that's a pretty binary choice, yes or no. But in reality, uh, this, the universe is, as I, I quote I always love to to throw out from uh, J.D. Saldana, a physicist, was the universe is not only stranger than we imagine, it is stranger than we can imagine. And I, I think that we're starting to wake up to the knowledge that this is slight this phenomenon uh does have a UFO component to it that can be captured uh, as the um as the videos like the Nimitz video and so forth but there's a whole other element of just paranormal weirdness surrounding it that guys like Kiel and Valet and others have highlighted over the years and and by the way, I have never uh um, seen uh a, a ufo but i have been as i we've talked about on other shows been approached by people uh that certainly acted like they were real and they seemed real but i've also had some of those weird paranormal things um I, c- can i just tell you one of them because it's so sure. strange uh heck yeah when i was writing after disclosure with richard dolan uh he and i don't live in the same town so we did a lot of work on the phone and we were talking on the phone and i had a uh I was working on a document and uh, th- th- that was sort of the table of contents thing. And we talked and we were talking about how uh, the number three was an important number. You know, we were just playing around whether, you know, you see the triangular spacecraft and just other things about that. N- no big deal. But um, so we hung up and I went to bed. And the next day, uh, I open up that file. And in the middle of that file are three lines of the of threes that are just keystrokes as if you'd held your finger down on the three and there it was. And it wasn't there the night before. (laughs) And, and you know, it's such a small thing, but you go, how did that happen? Yeah. You know, what, what, what was that? Here's another one for you. When I was doing, um, Dark Skies, I told my uh, partner Brent Friedman at the time that I'd read a book, uh, The Mothman Prophecies, or he had recommended it, actually, and i so I read it. And uh, I had just finished it, and I'm walking out of a theater, um, and the book is sitting in the back seat of my car, and I'm walking out of a theater late at night in the dark with my son. We're walking to our car, and I see a guy in a long trench coat walking toward us, and I'm thinking, that's a little weird, and so I kind of steer us off. Uh, the path, and as the guy walks past us, it's this guy I've never seen before in my life, and he's carrying a copy of the Mothman Prophecies. No, how you funny! Know, now people have these things happen. I okay, know. are they just synchronicity? Are they related to a larger phenomenon? Who knows? I just tend to think that when that if we don't get started on disclosure, we're never going to get to the, the the answers because the answer probably isn't that simple, and as opposed to angels and demons being the reason for nondisclosure over these years, I tend to think it's more like people that are trying to deal with and, and, and study with this thing are, are wondering, how do I even begin to disclose? Because we still don't quite understand what's going on. But you know, I think that, that your listeners and yourself and myself would all say, well, that may all be true, but we have to get started anyway. We just mm-hmm. have to do it.
0: That brings me to, uh, especially now that we're running out of time, but I think you have a unique perspective on this, is the role entertainment media plays. And I think there is a role, and this is your space. Um, Yeah. And so I wonder what you think, especially given, of course – Project Blue Book. On the one hand, this Project Blue Book show is sensational, and there's not a lot of facts. On the other hand, it's based on, you know, actual cases, and it does bring to the public... A name that I have always feared for these last decades people will forget, which is Dr. J. Allen Hynek. Now he's, a, he's kind of an icon and becoming a, a more of an icon. So people are realizing this guy existed and was pro UFO, which I think is really important and a positive thing. So can and of course, Tom DeLong hmm. is trying to get into this space. Can yeah. that be uh, is that achievable? Is it helpful? What do you think?
2: I I have really mixed feelings about Project Blue Book. I I know the uh I I know it's good in in that things uh it, it raises people's consciousness to even think that there was a blue book and even know that there was a Hynek. but we both know uh like, you know, when they did Independence Day, we didn't say, oh, gee, and that's true. No, we knew it was a, a film. This thing is being promoted as true. This is the true story of Project Blue Book. This is the true story of J. Allen Hynek. But, but but it's not. And, and the problem is uh, the ma- vast majority of people who are watching the series actually think Allen Hynek was seeing – all the things he sees in that series in the 50s, in 1952 and 3. And right. it just didn't happen that way. And, and Blue Book didn't happen the way it did. And I, 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 I think it's a mixed blessing um, for sure. Uh, I, I, I don't, I, I'm not surprised. This is how Hollywood development goes. I'm working on a project right now, and every time I go into a meeting, people that don't know anything about the topic tell me what I should do with it. <laughs> right? And and their 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 answers are always kind of they're they're uninformed and they're uh, destructive to the very idea that I'm I'm trying to talk about. And but those are the doors you have to get through in order to get something on the air. So uh I'm way more excited about the unidentified program than I am about season two of Blue Book. Mm-hmm. So if I, if I had to pick but what as how do you feel about your work
0: then um, what is the difference between your work and do you think that because I think I would imagine and, and this is I guess a question it seems that your goal is to also entertain and educate
2: absolutely listen I don't I'm the pot calling the kettle black I'm not attacking blue book I'm I'm just saying uh, I'm I, I'm saying it's very entertaining I, uh, what I'm saying is, you can't really say. I, I, I'm not sure that it's advancing the cause of UFO truth as much as we might think. I, and I never thought my series Dark Skies was doing that. I mean, I the, all I did with Dark Skies was say, "Look, I'm telling an alien invasion story." So mm-hmm. I what you know, and but I'm doing it within the frameworks of uf- ufological events, and that you know, and I but and I didn't try to make it. I guess more than that. Whereas I I don't think the creators of blue book are doing this. I think it's the history channel that's pushing the, um, the reality of it. Like, you know, they did a Betty and Barney Hill episode that wasn't about Betty and Barney Hill, but (laughs) they sure promoted it as if it was. And I thought it was weird, but I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, I can't, I can't be too critical. I, I guess all I'm really saying is people, shouldn't look at Hollywood entertainment product as being revelatory. Uh, At this point, I'd go to a good Lou Elizondo lecture if you wanted to, you know, take it to the next level of understanding. Because what happens, there is an inexorable uh, pressure on Hollywood entertainment uh, uh, projects to go big, right? To, To have some kind of weird thing going on or to Uh make your character in the center of it all and this is just the way it is that's just always the way it is um but, but i realize i'm i'm probably a hypocrite here I well no that's and that, and try to that was
0: things, not my yeah. intent it was it was mostly yeah. just to get your insight which is interesting from someone who's in that space and and essentially kind of also so what would your advice for tom Delong be because that's what he wants to do is try to you know get in here and we've seen this happen before where people are like i think the only way i can share truth is through fiction and uh they attempt to do that is that a lost cause or what would you tell <laughs> tom i guess
2: yeah. You know, it's interesting. Uh, well, first of all, I'd love to, I'd love to work with Tom DeLong on one of those things because I think that he he brings a lot of respect and intelligence to the work, and it'd probably be good. Uh, the, the idea that you have to tell the truth under the cover of fiction. Remember, I literally that's how I started Dark Skies. I had a letter from a so-called Majestic Twelve agent telling us that you have to tell the truth under the cover of fiction. And <clears throat> that may have actually been true years ago. Now I think you can just tell the truth. Yeah. Uh, if, if, if the truth is your thing, go tell the truth. If fiction is your thing, go tell fiction. Uh, I, I don't think um, that, that it's necessary to convert truth into fiction in order to float crazy ideas. I mean, you don't need to do that. Um, you can float them. Anytime you want it's a free country look at look <laughs> at what they put on alien ancient aliens over the years right um so i i I, I guess what I would actually hope that Tom Delong is able to to do and certainly what I'm trying to do is to hold on to some core beliefs going into if you're doing a television series a dramatic television series hold on to some core beliefs if you can that uh and and then you, you know, I guess, I, I guess you could argue that what Project Blue Book does is, if you look at their websites, they have a lot of information about the real cases, and that's all to the positive. Uh, so I don't know. I, Tom DeLong, uh wrote a book with uh, his co-writer uh, to to start off, and I, 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 the only thing I thought was confusing for for him is, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a television writer producer by trade he was also starting his uh, to the stars academy at the same time so he was trying to have it both ways and that was a dance that was difficult for him where he's trying to say i've got the cutting edge research and we're going to get to the truth but while we're trying to get to the truth i'm going to tell a fiction story and i'm and you're going to have to guess which parts are true that that's just a difficult walk that's all yeah, no, I hear you, and, and that's what's really difficult because because um, I've kind he of, doesn't have to do that, by the way. He should actually say, "This is my truth, and I want to tell a fictionalized story about it." That yeah. would be my advice to him.
0: I think the hard part is is that you know the rest of the group in TTSA may not have the same truth he has. I guess I'll put it that way,
2: okay. Pre- precisely. And and so in a way, um, I I understand why he wants to do it the way he's doing it. Uh, I in a similar situation I might do the same thing. But they are it's it's a bit of magic to get them to to work and play together because you're right, you have hardcore scientists who are really working to get to the bottom line truth. And then you have the entertainment division, right? And that's a little weird. It's like, you know, when I was doing Dark Skies, I wasn't also, you know, doing digs at Roswell looking for wreckage you know, mm. it's just, it's just tough. And we've lived in a time where the people who have maintained this secret have, a, you know, have used the entertainment product to confuse the issue to the extent that the, the entertainment product is so confusing right now. Even looking at Spielberg, if you look at Spielberg and people go, well, I wonder what he knows. He has done every version of aliens that exist out there. So, there unless unless there are eight different kinds of aliens out there uh, who are interfering with us then Spielberg is obviously just making some stuff up at the same right. time right so exactly I, I, we great just live point. in a confusing time right now but but the overall good news is there are lots of people who are pushing it forward one of my favorite reads right now on Twitter is a a, a, a guy that has a is called UFO Jesus uh, yeah he's great he's He just has a terrific take on on disclosure, and I enjoy reading him. Um, So there's lots of ways to tell the truth, I guess, is what I'm saying. And, And I'm continuing to try to find projects that are based in truth, and I'll tell you, I have to accommodate buyers and developers all the time and uh, obviously when you put a, if I were to put any of my projects out if I were you know I have the rights to the Betty and Barney book captured if I get to make that movie people will probably criticize that movie as much as some people criticize Blue Book and it's just because that's how Hollywood operates. Mm -hmm. You
0: know what I love uh, you know with this conversation of course and it's the route that I've taken is I really think that you know the fiction route is is a route, and of course I love entertainment. I mean I I love what you do, Uh, and I love all the entertainment stuff a lot. In fact, I would be a dream to actually get involved with some of that one day. But um, of course I'm bogged down in this, and it's kind of like I love this picture that you and Richard take. It is this word Woodward and Bernstein kind of uh, right. Mode and that's where yeah. I am is at. You know, we just got to look for the information, and if we we can't, and it takes a discipline. Uh, George Knapp, of course, is my my role model for this. You got to look for the credible. You got to substantiate your claims. You need to grab sources, and sometimes one isn't enough, or your your source isn't good enough. You know, so you need another one. It's just total of Woodward and Bernstein to to get the information out there, and it's hard, and it takes time, and it's work, but uh, it's very satisfying, at least to me.
2: It is satisfying, particularly now that there's a little official cooperation on the cases, mm-hmm. so that you you don't have to overcome initial reticence all the time when you're trying to talk to people about something, because more and more people are starting to go. There's something to it. I don't understand it, or it's not relevant to my life right now, but more and more people are saying, yeah, I saw that. That looks pretty crazy. I mean, I showed the um, some of the videos that came out of uh, the ATIP disclosure, and people are pretty blown away by them.
0: Yeah, right. Yep, exactly. So um, we are pretty much out of time, but this has been a fascinating discussion Thank you so much for coming on the show again. I guess what should people look forward to uh, that you're going to be doing in the future? And is there a website you want people to look at?
2: You know, I I, I have bounced around. Uh, right now I'm uh, putting a lot of attention onto the Twitter uh, feed, which is at Hollywood UFOs. At Hollywood UFOs. Uh-huh. And I, I'd encourage people to come talk about that. What I have coming up right now next is actually not a UFO project. I have a big feature film called The Last Battle about the last battle of World War II that'll be shooting later this year and be in theaters in a year or so. Uh, and, uh, you know, but I'm still working on uh, trying to bring more of these truth based projects uh, to, uh, to the public because I think that's important. And I really, really feel like we are in the middle of a transition. So all I would say is fasten your seatbelts and buckle up because here we go. Right.
0: Exciting times. And you've told me about your new movie, The Last Battle, and it's a fascinating story. So people need to really look this up. In fact, I think in the last podcast we went over it. But definitely look that up, people. And and we'll have you back to talk about that,
2: too. Oh, you know, I'll give you one highlight, though. My Dark Skies partner Brent Friedman and I are developing the book I wrote with Richard Dolan, AD After Disclosure, for television. Oh, that's Oh, That would be
0: fascinating. All right, great. Thank you so much. All right, my friend. Thank you. Thank you so much to Bryce Abel for being on the show. Like he said, be sure to check him out on Twitter. That's where he's sharing stuff these days. Many of us do. He's at Hollywood UFOs. So check him out at Hollywood UFOs. And you know what? We are talking a little bit about uh, the bonus audio. So be sure to join my Patreon. Uh, You've know, you got the link down there in the show notes, or you could just look for me up on Patreon. Thank you so much to those of you who already have. But you can join at the lowest level, and still get access to some of the uh, extra exclusive stuff I have up there, including this interview that I did with Bryce. It doesn't appear here, but- But we talked about, uh, essentially, a former Secretary of Energy and Aliens. This is extremely interesting and has inspired me to write an article. But I needed to interview Bryce more about it. And that's what you can get on the Patreon uh, if you are a subscriber. So check that out. Bryce revealed this piece of news at the International UFO Congress last year. And that's another big piece of news. The International UFO Congress, where there's always breaking UFO news. And sure enough, we've got a lot of great speakers this year and ticketing is now up. The ticketing for the UFO Congress is now up. So be sure to go there to look at the speakers and then get your tickets, get them because there are some special tickets for like workshops and VIP tickets that there's only a limited number of. So get them quickly. Also, I want you to know that if you order your tickets now, there is a discount code so you could get $50 off the packages. So you got to get the full, you know, conference packages and you could get $50 off from now until Thursday that will be Thursday the 25th but Thursday night it ends so you got to get your tickets by Thursday night in fact they're already at a super early bird discount so you could get this fifty dollars off on top of that use the code save fifty uppercase save 50 and get $50 off your tickets at the international UFO Congress. Go to ufocongress.com. You can see the speakers, you can see the schedule and then go to the tickets page and you can buy your tickets. You can see all the different packages for the different uh, ticketing packages you could get, but uh, I would recommend the highest level because then you get to do everything and do all the cool stuff and you get extra, you get saved seating in the conference room. So ufocongress.com save 50. It's a code, all uppercase. Anyway, I want to thank everybody who's been uh, helped us out to do this show. Of course, Martin from Podcast UFO at the beginning to joining us with the news. Remember OpenMinds.TV and you can find all of the UFO news that we talked about. Also, I want to thank Caleb Hanks for the opening and closed music systematics for the bumper music and of course you all the listeners thank you all for being here and we'll talk to you next week until then adios muchachos